welcome to the Be Glad Movement. My name's Pollyanna and I'm on a mission to bring you as many stories as possible of good coming out of bad and reasons to be glad. In this episode, I talk to Lorenzo Jacobs, who struggled after his parents' divorce with a rebellious streak as a teenager, which led him to a life of crime. It was while serving his time he discovered the power of words and the effect positive affirmations could have on his mental health and actions. He did a lot of introspection and learned that he could channel his energy into more positive pursuits. Listen on to hear how Lorenzo turned things around and what he's up to now. Hello, how y'all feeling? Really good, really good. I want you to say hello, hello, hello. Yeah, hello, hello, hello. (laughs) It's Lorenzo. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for indulging me. I did wonder whether you were actually going to say hello that way because sometimes... People come on um, podcasts and then they sort of tone it down a bit or they're, you know, you feel a bit nervous or whatever. So um, anyway, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to hand over to you to tell us your story. So tell us what it was like growing up. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, like you said, my name is Lorenzo. Um, And I guess I, before I start speaking, I, I probably have to give a disclaimer uh, you kind of touched on it for yourself. Like I'm, I'm a very excited, um, exuberant, extra, sometimes labeled aggressive kind of guy. And just, just from that preface, it I will uh, maintain uh, balance and who I really am, truthfully, and not like tone it down. So hopefully, your listeners and anybody that uh, receives this message about me can definitely receive it with authenticity. Awesome, that sounds great, thank you. Absolutely, so um, I, was, I was born in South Carolina. I was raised in Tennessee. Um, I've traveled throughout 45 states uh, based upon like my business and marketing, advertising and sales. Uh, the, way I was, the way I was raised, I was raised by a single mother um, up until my, my parents divorced around like two, three years of age. Um, and my mom then remarried when I was nine. Um, the, the gentleman that she remarried was, was in the military. We moved uh, to New Jersey. I lived there for four years. Um, after New Jersey, I'm, we moved to Virginia. After Virginia, um, I, I pretty much started getting into like family issues, not really wanting to be uh, where I was at with my mom, my stepdad, and their new children, um, just being even more rebellious. And so I moved back to South Carolina with my dad. Um, probably within about a year, I continued to even rebel against my dad's wishes, as they say, Uh, You can move from a so-called area or problem, but really if you have yet to deal with the the biggest issue, which is inside of yourself, it's going to follow you. So those those problems obviously followed me because there was unresolved issues inside myself. Um, I I, I first caught a case. It was a pistol case. Um, down in South Carolina. I went to juvenile. I did like four or five months in a juvenile uh, correctional facility. 
Um, upon my release, I was, my mother and my stepfather came, got me, and we moved uh, to Tennessee where he was stationed at Fort Campbell. So um, from that from that point, really, like at 15, I was charged as an adult, and that, that pretty much started my um, transformation because now in, in the sight of the legal system, the world, I'm, I'm looked at as an adult, regardless of my age or anything like that. So that pretty much put me on a propel cycle where I'm at right now. How old were you when you had to go into the, um, the juvenile adjustment center? Uh, when I went to uh, the Department of Juvenile Justice, I was I was 15. I in fact I had just turned I had just turned 15. Um, my birthday is in October, so I I went to juvenile justice around like March, and I didn't get out until uh, what was that like in August? So, okay. like what five what was that like five six months or so? Uh huh. Uh huh. And you said earlier um, that that was where your transformation started. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. Well, um, as obviously even, and I, I'm speaking even more openly about my time in incarceration, lockup, um, even more freely, hopefully more people are able to connect with my story just due to how the world environment is. They have a lot of people on quote unquote self-quarantine or lockdown or you you have that social distancing. So I pretty much experienced that then. Um like being by myself, uh although a lot of times I would I was still getting in trouble behind the gate, getting in fights and things like that. Um you, I definitely recognize a comparison of solitude and when you only have yourself to deal with, uh, you definitely, from, from my experience, I had deep moments of introspection, reflection, um, thoughts of what I could do, whether it was positive or negative, but I was able to really just look inside myself more. Right, okay. And how long were you in that? I mean, did, did you go back again? Am I right in thinking you went back again? Yes, absolutely. Um, I did go back. Um, I, I well, so I was in juvenile for. They gave me first of all, an, like an evaluation. It's like a thirty-day evaluation where they you go in there because I was a juvenile. They want to really pretty much um, test my mentality, the psychological program, stuff like that. Like what what is really going on to potentially rehabilitate me so to say. And um, in that 30 days, I, I got an infringement, um, which was pretty severe that caused me to go into a 23 and one hour lockdown. I was in lockdown for a while. So when I went back in front of the judge, one of the things that I remember the judge said that really saved me was I was one of the most intellectual um, people or juvenile that came across her courtroom, even just by paper and potentially how I articulated myself. 
So she said that there was, a, that she felt that there was a chance and a hope for me. So instead of giving me the extent of the punishment she could have given me, she gave me a lighter sentence, was, which was 90 days determinate. So in 90 days, I knew that I was going to go home as long as I didn't catch any new charges or infringements and things. So I did, I did complete that um, 90 days in juvenile justice. And August 3rd of 97, I was released. And that was when my mother and my stepfather came pick me up from South Carolina and we moved to Tennessee. Um, then then for, um, in October, around like October 9th, I then was arrested again for more severe felonious um, crimes. And that was pretty much the extent of, from then all the way, I did five and a half years my first time. And honestly, my mentality and my thought processes and the way I was acting on my thought processes really was still more um, quote unquote criminal. So I, I was a statistic. I did go back um, within like six months to do another two years, 10 months. But going back those two years, 10 months I then done um, was more difficult than the five and a half I did. Probably more so because I was out, I was able to still have a moment of interest reflect on myself and introspective, like knowing that I have more God-given talents and gifts that I could be using than what I had been using for myself. Uh-huh. Um, going back to what you were saying earlier about the moving around and then going to live with your dad, and uh, I think there's a saying, isn't there, wherever you go, you're still there. Absolutely. Um, as in you're still having to deal with yourself and, and there is the moment where you have to turn around and deal with yourself. Um, in the, reflecting back to what it was like growing up and it's, it's always hard, I mean my parents are divorced too, they divorced when I was six, um, it's always hard to get used to a new partner, a new way of living, being split between families and what do you think it was when you, because you've had these moments of self-reflection what do you think it was that was making you act out? Hmm, that's an excellent question. I've I've asked myself a lot of that. Um, even now at 38, almost 39, I still have moments of childhood um, Im impulsiveness. I would definitely say one of those main things was my impulsiveness. Not saying that's a good or a bad thing, just to be aware of my impulsive um, thought patterns. Um, I was raised from, my dad gave me some philosophies, my mom gave me some philosophies that I hold on to. Um, and one of the things that I remember now when you ask me that is my dad always told me that I don't have to do anything that I really don't want to do. Um, so one of the, also one of the things that go along with that is I really didn't, from my perspective, I didn't really think that my mom and my dad was telling me the entire story. Um, whether they knew, whether they know the entire story or knew what to tell me about the entire story. Um, just when, if I'm asking certain deeper questions, cause I am a deep person, 
superficial, really doesn't get me off, is that I would sometimes face the um, response of, well, pray about it or ask God or it would be pushed off to something else. So I would also say that me just really being a rebellious kind of spirit going against the grain, um, all those things that I even explained in my disclaimer, being aggressive or really just being who I am, um, potentially it wasn't molded in a fashion where I could still be me and it wouldn't be disagreeable to other people. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. So channeling your energy in a productive way rather than in a negative way. Absolutely. And having and having different outlets to do that. Now, no doubt my parents did as well as possible from my perspective as well, since I did have extracurricular activities to go to, like karate and um, soccer and things like that. It was from, once again, my mind and my experiences was more so on how to deal with myself better than just everyone else. Like, how do I deal with those thoughts of, all right, if I'm getting excited and I'm speaking to you, let me just take a deep breath and slow down, you know? So those, those are some of the smaller things that I recognized that I was able to, you know, tweak and twerk differently in my life. Sure, sure. So tell me about how you managed to turn things around and how you managed to learn how to ch channel your energy. Perfect. Um, so like I said, I, I did the five and a half years um, day for day. And upon my release, my mindset was in still, um, I would say a criminal mindset where literally i thought that i was just going to continue to be a good criminal um and like i said six months later i was getting locked back up um pretty much six months to the day of my release my prior release so now that i'm in the back of a police car and i'm heading to jail i'm already thinking of how i'm gonna get out of this situation <laughs> and it, I was still aware of my own thoughts. So through that, though, that moment of doing that time and two years, 10 months, I was going to really look at my incarceration that time or this time as a place of study and university where I can use my my God-given talent or my automatic rebellious spirit to rebel against pretty much my old thinking. That I, I, was, I was talking to myself in the aluminum mirror a lot. And um, because I had read it in a book, you know, that you can talk to yourself and have positive affirmations and what you what you um, believe you can achieve and what you tell yourself over and over again. And just the psychological studies on how a person may tell a genius child that they're stupid 
and that child will still will act start acting out like they're dumb and stupid because the child will believe the authority of who they're listening to. And so I'm taking all of the psychological books and obviously I have time on my hands. So I definitely read many, many books um, and applied them as much as possible in the two years, 10 months that I was able to have and doing my time. Cause I really wanted to use that time better than I used any of my time before and kind of put a test to what I was reading to see if I could really uh, create a habit or a new character of being. Sure. And so that's what you did. And Absolutely. here we are today. Tell, tell me, I know that you're, um, you, you help people with their businesses and uh, what was it the word to use? Uh, uh, um... I'm a conversational magician. Uh -huh. I'm a conversational magician. I create the dreams and imaginations of the mind into reality through the wonderful world of my words. And that was that was a title even I gave myself. Um, in my incarceration, I was reading a book and it was speaking about elocation and invocation and the power of words and how we create our reality and define our reality through the words we are able to define just the same way that happy may sound the same as being exuberant but definitely those are two different definitions so for a person that only are, is able to comprehend the basic happy, they would not be able to comprehend for themselves in their own mind, their own reality and dimension, the feeling of exuberance and the, the extreme, the extremity of what happy is. So yes, definitely. I, I like I said, I started, um, to use my God-given talent as an entrepreneur, as a thinker, to share with other people um, through my business first, and then start helping other businesses. And, and let it be known that I have been in the so-called free world, and I call it a so-called free world, because I believe majority of people are mentally incarcerated out here. Now, now, 2020, a lot of people are now feeling the brunts of a physical incarceration, but majority of people have been and are now still like mentally incarcerated. So um, I've been I've been out um, in the so-called free world longer than I was incarcerated. Um, I did about 10 years. I've been out for over 14 years, if that's a testament of anybody that says, well, what is he doing now? I've been definitely living my life in the free world thus far. Wonderful. And what gave you, was it the, the positive affirmations and um, being out obviously that made you feel confident enough to start your own business? What was the sort of, how did you move from being released to starting your own business? Okay, well, definitely I would, also say the testament to that is my rebellious spirit. Um, 
I really couldn't see myself having a supervisor or a boss. Not saying that's a bad thing, not saying that's a good thing, but just for me, I, I was unable to do it. I, I attempted to do it. And the few, the few times that I did, it just didn't feel good. The person that was a supervisor um, lacked the personality and the leadership abilities that I've read and I've put into action in the inside and on the outside. Um, so that was one of the things. And just the overall feeling of it, like I, I really, I, I guess I really have a rebellious spirit. Like I really didn't feel comfortable with someone attempting to uh, demonstrate their authority over me, telling me how I could talk, where, what I needed to do, um, looking over my shoulder, um, this, the gossiping, what all, all of that type of stuff that goes along with a nine to five uh, or a job. So I, went through the study of once again while i was inside of what i needed to do to set up a business um it's definitely very simple or is is more simple than people have led it on to be um and i just started taking action i'm i have yet to really be scared to take action i also um was able to compare at times of maybe difficulty and challenges in starting my business of, well, if I can organize a robbery and I can physically do all of this and hurt another human being and take all of this and do this and, and attempt to get away and use that energy in that form, definitely I can use my energy in this form and formulate a business plan and talk to somebody else and let them know, hey, I don't have the money. Would you want to sponsor me or invest in me or give me some sort of loan? And this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I've been doing. Um, if they say no, I can accept the rejection. I've been said no to before. If I even went inside to an employer and asked for a job. So like I can use the same energy that I would on the other side or the dark side or the criminal side to do something legitimate. And I always pretty much use that as my balance and scale as saying, well, if worse came to worse, I would start a nonprofit organization and I would be the first person that the nonprofit would help. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's very, um, it's interesting listening to your story and um, reflecting on what you said about being incarcerated um, and then suddenly sort of almost realising your freedom. It sounds like when you were younger, you were at the mercy of obviously what your parents and the authorities told you to do. Um, and then you recognize that you didn't want a job because you didn't want to be at the mercy of what the authorities told you to do. Um, and now you're in a position now that you're an adult to, and you've, you've done all this inner work and training that you can channel your energy a lot more effectively. It, it sort of took that um, solitude to, to help you realize, well, who am I and what, what is it that makes me tick and what, um, 
uh, you say God-given talents, but what, um, yeah, talents, what talents have I got? What, what is it that I can use, but in a much more productive way? So that's very cool. Very cool. Um, and so your business, I know you've got your podcast too, the, the Young Untouchable Family. Podcast broadcast show. Uh -huh. Yes. So, so Young Untouchable Family is a pot is all right, so I have a profit and a nonprofit organization. Um, and because I, like I said, if worse came to worse, I always felt that if I got out and I had was unemployable, which pretty much I have been. Um, so, and why would I want to work for someone else anyway? We can always work in partnership together, I tell people. So um, I started Young Untouchable Family in 2011. Um, I started Young Untouchable Family as a profitable business to assist nonprofit nonprofits in fundraising. Uh, I've I've pretty much always had the gift of gab, the gift of Gabriel, some some way of my orientation, how I'm able to articulate and pronunciate words and get my point across to people. So I I use that as a platform to help. Uh, nonprofits, fundraisers, churches to raise money and funds. Through that, I was like, well, let me just go ahead and start my own nonprofit. Um, so I, I started the youth group to go along with Young Untouchable Family. It's like a play on words. Um, and I started a podcast about, what's that been like, about three months now? So I've been doing the podcast, just like I said, sharing my experiences and the experiences of others that I come in contact with so that we can help other people. Because from my experience, literally, I read books and the authors that I've read, I took them as personal mentors. Um, I, I even read and when I was reading the books, a lot of times it would say, you would have to do this, or you can do this. And, and I would always change the you into a personal I. So I would speak the way the book read to myself. So I would make it more, even more powerful and impactful. Um, and yeah, just still reaching out to those and helping those that wanna help themselves first, cause I know how that is. Sure, I like that. I like that. They they say, don't they? The um, the most powerful stories are the stories that we tell ourselves. So exactly using positive affirmations and and I've I've never heard of anyone doing the reading um in that way before. But that sounds like a really powerful way to to read a book um that is giving advice on how to become a better version of yourself because it is it makes it more personal, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was also able to see that it's those words stuck with me a whole lot longer. And fortunately or unfortunately, I now even use some of those, their personal affirmations, wherever they may have got it from, for myself and may say it as if it's me confidently because I've read the book so many times. Uh -huh. But that's cool. I think when people... Um, when people create these books and they share what they've learned and what's helped them, I, I don't think, well, I'd like to think that they, they're doing it in the spirit of giving and that they want other people to, I mean, not sort of 
pretend that they made it up themselves. But I think even if you're not the creator, you can be the contributor. And just to do a shout out to uh, Denise Duffield Thomas, because she says that, that you don't have okay. to be the creator, you can be a contributor. Um, and, uh, you know, sharing the knowledge, helping each other, that's what society should be like, right? It's not about trying to win one over the next person. It's about let's all raise each other up, you know? So I love that. I think that's cool. Fortunately, unfortunately, like also through my time of incarceration, I was started to recognize that we do live in like a, a prison planet or a, a paradox, meaning that, yes, absolutely, that I want to lift you up. But fortunately or unfortunately, I'm only able to lift you up as far as you want to go. True. <laughs> true so so i i i would put all of me out there at any time at the same time i would want to be poured into i like so i'm very particular and um aware of the energy i bring to people and the energy that i'm receiving because you know that's that's even how motors move like the up, down, the yin, yang, that's, that's how we continue to move and prog be progressive, so. Totally, and uh, what, I'm coming out with all the sayings now. We've got, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And right. then the, whether you're, you decide you're gonna be a fountain or a drain, because some people are fountains and some people are drains, and sometimes you've got to move away from the drains if you can't, you, like you say, you know, they can drag your energy down. And I'm not saying that we should just sort of throw the people away that can't be positive. I'm just saying that you have to get that balance, don't you? You kind of, you know, and another saying about being on the airplane and putting your own gas mask on first before you can help other people. Um, we have to sort of not just be stoic and, and try and help everyone. We have to just kind of think, right, what do I need to be able to give my best self to the people who are willing to sort of use that energy productively, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. It's the airplane theory. Definitely, that's life. If you want to stay fly, you gotta make sure your own life is intact, even before the children and the elderly. So, very true. Very true. And all this sort of positive work that you've done on yourself. Uh, I, obviously, there was the incarceration, but. Are there any other areas of your life that you've been able to, and you've been applying it in the business sense, but what other challenges have you come across that this positive mental attitude has helped you with? <laughs> uh, the next thing is that I broke my neck five years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, I, uh, so you're also looking and speaking to a real life angel. Um, I had a halo. Uh, so five years ago, I, I broke my neck. I broke C1. I had a C1 fracture. Um, I, I pretty much always remind people that this is the same bone that Christopher Reeves, um, the, the gentleman, the actor that played Superman, um, broke after falling off a horse. And we know that he has already transitioned so and died from his injuries. So I always look at that in comparison because that see that's again the the paradox we live in no one really wants to go up so 
people call Shit's Creek by themselves, right? No one really wants to have have bad happen to them by themselves. So I also look at other people's um, challenges for myself and gain something positive from it. So like I said, Christopher Reeves played Superman. He's no longer here, succumbed to his injuries. I'm here, able to walk, still move around. Maybe not as best as I was before, but I'm still able to use my mental mind. Um, while I was in a halo, um, I, ha I wasn't, still haven't been able to like lift certain things. So I was really able to use my thoughts more to get the assistance of other people. Um, thankfully, I had my business going at the time, so I had a means of people to, empl to employ and to assist me still on my journey so I was able to be profitable, so to say. But mainly through that situation, I was in the halo for 20 weeks, about five months. I was really able to get even more in tune to myself, um, recognizing that I'm a very strong individual, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, where I would come across other people and they would say, man, if I was in your situation, I would probably have killed myself or like, man, how do you do it? Like 10 pounds of pressure and torque of the screws to my skull. Like, I was just able to really um, use that and then use some of my past experiences like my incarceration and other things that I went through in life to propel me even through that situation. Like, okay, I'm still here. One of the main, you know what? God talks to me too. And not to get religious or spiritual or anything, whoever your God is, I, I believe and I know that we all have a voice that speaks to us or has speak to us at some point in time. Um, some people don't really listen to that voice and because the, of us being a habitual creatures, you kind of have taught yourself to not listen. So, you know, some people are unable to talk or listen to themselves, but that voice spoke to me one time when I was incarcerated and the voice said that, your life is for you, but your death is for everybody else. And I was like, what? And as, as time goes on in my life, I've, I've hear that voice um, at times and I'm reminded about that. And just now I heard that voice. And the, the meaning of that is this. Once again, we live like in a paradox. So being selfish is definitely better than being selfless. Um, thinking about yourself and taking your self-benefit and pride and humbleness and all those things you can do for self is definitely better than going externally to someone else first. So that was really the summary of what I said to myself that my life however I decide to live my life is going to be for me and eventually there will be a thing called death and in my death 
you, Pollyanna, and anybody else I've been able to impact or um, in, inflict some sort of emotion, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, my death is now for everybody else. Because people normally show up at funerals or some sort of memorial. Man, this person was a good person. I remember when we did this, we had this conversation. Um, those are things that for you, you may be in a sad place or an unstable place where you can now for yourself use my death to positively propel you through that moment of transition. So my, my life is for me and my death is for everyone else. So your life is for you, but your death is for everyone else. And then I could even go deeper and say that we all die every day. We, or we have an opportunity to die to ourselves every day. Like to our own selfishness, you can help somebody else out with no wanting to get something in return. That, that's dying to your own self. Um, so yeah, not to get too deep on it, but yeah, definitely. I've, I've been able to use different situations from my past and use that energy of, oh, I got through that. I can definitely make it through this. Sure, sure. So what would your, I mean, if you came across the young Lorenzo, you know, if you were face to face now with someone in the same situation as you were when they were, you know, 15, what advice would you give them? How would you try and help them? I would, I would, I would first tell them to do everything in your power to feel good about where you were right now. Um, there's going to be a lot of voices on the outside of you that would say to just shake their head in some way, to look down on you or to give you even some positive uh, words of encouragement and inspiration. But ultimately, ultimately, you, you have the opportunity to look inside of yourself and find things that you really enjoy, that you really like, and that would really empowers you for yourself. Um, because once again, this life is for you and your death is for everyone else. So like the stuff that you're not going to experience, you're not gonna see, that's for everybody else. What, what is it that you would wanna do? What is it that really, um, encourages you and um, if that person is let's say in a situation where I was incarcerated and they have a record and it's some sort of criminal acts well let's take a look at your criminal acts did you now what was the reason did you were you doing those criminal things and out of ambition that you really like it or were you doing it off of survival and necessity? Now, if you're doing it off of survival and necessity, we can still switch that around so that you can do things to survive out here and still live law-abiding. It can still be within inside the law and you'll still be able to survive. Um, now, if you were doing it really because you like doing it, 
still we can we can change that alchemically like i say and transform that negative into a positive because there's there's always opposite sides of every coin that we all have a shadow so what you're doing right now may be considered shadow like dark you know um criminal so we can change that into something positive so what do you really like doing and we can and i would give them the the con because you're a convict right this is the negative now this is the this is the pro this is what professionals do on that other side you like to say like in my case if i like to um do robberies or something right well guess what the opposite of that is instead of taking you can really be a giver you can really you can give i i i have found out that i have done so much more giving than taking and still i can i still have so much more to give because just recently i'm reminded that the majority of people that are literally just giving something they they kind of take it uh for granted and pretty much really don't do much with it so i get when people say if this one person gets it i've i've done my job like i get it <laughs> so so yeah like there's there's things that we can do to even the score balance us out that may be on a separate spectrum than what we have done so that would be the first thing i would tell anybody that looks like me or um seems like they're me in an act reflection a thought that that was younger that you can definitely do whatever you want to do out here but if you don't like the situation you currently find yourself in then just change it and change starts inside with you sure that's a that's an important point that it does start inside with you you know you have to make that decision that you want to change absolutely yeah awesome well lorenzo you know i've really enjoyed talking to you is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap things up or um that if anybody wanted to see more of what i do you can pretty much google young untouchable family um like i said i've i've been marketing advertising branding with young touchable family since 2011. I also now have a website that you can go to check out um, if anybody like wants to be an entrepreneur, even um, learn some of the things that got me on a correct course. I now have teamed up um, with a young lady um, that has some courses out of how to manifest miracles in your own personal life without having to go to jail or prison or any other things that I've had to go through. Um, definitely in this time of like global lockdown, quarantine, um, you can always reach out to me there. It's my website is www.lorenzojacobs.com. Um, definitely spell my name different because my mama made me different. So it's L-A-W-R-E-N-Z-O jacobs.com um and yeah i i pretty much help whoever wants to really help themselves um and yeah that's 
I'm pretty much an open book, transparent. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you know, I say this a lot, but I really do believe your story and your voice has the ability to help someone in their time of need. And, um, you know, hearing your story, there's going to be someone out, out there who's going to feel like they can relate to you, you know, that you're the person that is going to be able to help them because you'll understand them in a different way that maybe someone else wouldn't be able to. And, that, and then they feel like they're able to take your advice because you've been there, done that. So thank you for sharing. I'll put those links in the um, notes on the podcast and in the um, the YouTube video um, notes as well, so that they'll, they're there for the for the viewers. But thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thank you for so much for the platforms for me to uh, share more of my story and really potentially, like I said, help just that one person. That's what it's all about, right? That's what it's all about. Awesome. Absolutely. So there you have it. As a mother myself, I think the biggest takeaway for me when listening to Lorenzo is the importance of talking to our children and making sure they have the correct vocabulary for A, to be able to effectively inquire about the world around them and B, to effectively be able to express themselves so that they feel they understand the world and have their emotional needs seen, understood and met with. I'd love to know what you think, so please do head over to Twitter, Instagram or Facebook and share any thoughts that you may have and we'll continue the conversation over there. As always, I'm looking for more guests, so if you know anybody that's got a story that they'd be willing to share, please do get in touch. It doesn't matter if it's a story similar to somebody else's because I really do believe your story and your voice has the ability to help someone in their time of need podcast is obviously free to listen to but if you did want to help me raise money for the Samaritans who offer a listening service for people in their time of need then please do head to beglad.co.uk and follow the link any donation that you're willing to give will be so gratefully received with so much love you've been listening to Pollyanna, Lorenzo Jacobs and the Be Glad movement Until the next episode, look after yourself and each other and we'll look forward to catching up with you soon.